everybody. Welcome to episode 11 of The Wild Heart. And this episode, we're going to call it Free and Clear. After my friend's book, it's a novel by J.W. Fowler, also known to his friends as Bill Fowler. Um, his little tagline right under on the first page of the book under the title is, Stop looking for the next disappointment and just be who you are. Um, I like that. I think a lot of us set ourselves up for disappointment quite often. So that little uh, phrase right there caught my attention really pretty quickly. And um, I think it's something we we all can relate to. So, Bill, welcome Thank to the you. show. How Thank are you. you today? I'm really, really good. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. I read the book. I really liked it. Um, and it was great being a, a Huntsville local and kind of reading it and you imagine the places that you're talking about and you know you you don't really name a lot of names as far as the bars and the characters in there but we all have our Huntsville people that we kind of relate that to so that was really cool um how long did it take you to put this together um the actual writing of of the book took about uh four months which seems like a really short period of time it does but the formulating of the story um was kind of, I don't know, percolating for a couple of years. Okay. All right. Well, I loved it. I thought it was great. And now you can put, you can add published author to your resume, right? (laughs) Yeah. I'm not real real comfortable uh, just with that label just yet. But um, I guess when you, when you write a book and you, and it's sitting right there on the table. Yeah. (laughs) uh, You can't really deny that anymore. Well, it's a fact. You've done it. You did it. And it's one of those things, you know, that's on a lot of people's lists, and we're going to get to the list here right. in a minute. But a lot of us go, "Oh, if I wrote a book, or you know, I would love to write a book one day." But I think some people, when they talk about writing a book, they think more about writing a book about their own lives. Right. Um, but to create a work of fiction and to bring characters to life is not an easy task, really. I mean, because you have to go outside yourself and and put yourself in another perspective to right. really give characters life that people are going to form an image of and put a voice to and those sort of things. And you did a great job at that. Thank you. I think it was really pretty cool. So one question I was going to ask is how the book came to be. But once I, I read it and I got to the author's notes, my question was sort of answered. You know, so throughout the book, I'm I'm wondering how this came to be, where this came from, and um, you answered my questions. So I pay, think the people that um, may not have read the book yet would love to hear you read the author's notes. <laughs> All right. So I can imagine that if you were to put this to audio, you would be the voice of this book. So it's only appropriate <laughs> that you read to us. Okay, uh, here we go, author's notes. Um, got it, got it. Stepping up to the mic here. Thank there you, There you go. Um, I hope you enjoyed this book. You made it this far, so something must have gone right. As a first-time writer, it took a lot for me to get to this point, so to have you reading these words is simply amazing to me. Thank you. Regardless of your final assessment of Free and Clear, you might be interested to know a few things about how it came to be. I actually don't really want to... I didn't really want to write it. I wanted to write a simple story because that's all I've ever written. I had made a hobby of writing short essay-like things that made that gave me a quick creative outlet and not much more. Then one day I sat down, and before I knew it, I had a few chapters done and a determination I'd never felt before to keep typing. 
Three months later, I had an initial draft and realized maybe I could turn it into something worth reading. Somewhere about halfway through the first draft, I experienced something I've never, I've heard. Somewhere through the first draft, I've experienced something I've heard other famous writers say. That is, that characters will take over the story and you feel like you're only writing down what they've already decided. I felt this. Once they became, once they came into being, Andy, Ben, Shelley, and Rachel took their own lives and my role was somewhat secondary. I steered the ship and they took over directing the details. I don't have a very well-formed theory on why this happened, but it may be because by the time I had 50,000 words or so behind me, I had such a strong vision about these four individuals that their personalities became fully formed. My writing choices became theirs. I knew them. They were real to me. Their actions were obvious and their their resolution was therefore predetermined. And that resolution I knew by that point wasn't going to be a golden ribbon tied with a clean and satisfactory bow. This isn't a story for those wanting a happy ending. That's because this is a story about the realities of this life. I pulled inspiration from my own experiences and those of people I am currently, or have been, very close to. The themes are often dark. The emotions are raw. The results of some decisions are unforgiving to some, maybe unpleasant and offensive. It's the darkness that I wasn't sure I wanted to lay bare before for the world to see, but it's the darkness that defines us. Those thoughts and actions that we attempt to hide from public view that really make us who we are if we choose to admit it. Divorce, bitterness, questions about identity, fairness, oppressive gender roles, sexuality, guilt, and expectations. All those things are floating around in my head when I began writing this book. And I, recently lost a, I had recently lost a father, a best friend, and a marriage of 16 years. I was confused, angry, and somebody needed to know about it. I needed to get these things out in the open, which for me represented an urgent exorcism of sorts. Andy's vomiting from the stage in the first few pages was the symbolic beginning of my own release. From there, the story flowed easily. The combined voices of Andy, Ben, Rachel, and Shelley gave me the opening I needed, and once I began, the book poured out as if I'd been holding it back for years, and I suppose I had been. It was only after completing the book during this long editing process, then realizing how fully I had executed and so badly needed that emotional exorcism, I realized how important it had been to acknowledge that I was sick and metaphorically needed to vomit from my own stage. So even though all this is a very personal project and self-healing, if you happen to come away with some insights about yourself after reading it, I'll feel justified for writing it. However, if some of all of some of this all seems too intense or maybe even irrational and distant to you, I understand that. I think a great many of us face existential questions at some point in their lives, but of course not everyone. If you've never stopped to wonder how your life ran so far off the path that you intended bully for you, if on the other hand you've walked out of your house and looked up at the sky to ask your God why it all went sideways, welcome to the club. I want to underscore for everyone wondering that these four characters are entirely fictional, but their origins are certainly based on people I have known, both living and deceased. I'm sure you've known them too. They are people I have been at times of my life. Maybe you've been one or two of them yourself. I think our lives are like that, maybe more than we realize. We think we're born with this fixed mentality, pre-programmed with a set of beliefs, talents, assumptions, but we change. We transform over time. While the basic personality is the foundation, the events and storylines we live through mold us constantly. Andy and Ben are particularly close to me. They are my best friend who died of a drug overdose. They are my father. They are my old bandmates. They are guys that I used to be and also guys that I sometimes wish I was. 
Shelly and Rachel are similar. It's not easy to write from the perspective of the opposite sex. I'm sure I fumbled that at points, and I hereby apologize to those I offended with my inherent bias regarding the female id. These fictitious women represent a collection of past relationships, some of which are legendary and some that only seem legendary but were actually destructive. All of that information was valuable, even the most painful. While writing about these people was a source of deep personal therapy, I also firmly believe that none of the themes I've dealt with are unique to my own experiences. Therefore, I can only hope that you found something worth remembering here. Maybe you see shades of yourself. Maybe you see who you once were, should have been, or could be. Maybe you have a new view of your spouse or someone close to you. In shaping this story, I certainly came away with a greater appreciation, a narrowed perspective for the emotions that fed many of these relationships I've had throughout my life. My wish as a writer is that the deep and meaningful experience I had writing this is somehow translated to you. That is the whole point, after all. The point of reading a book. The point of standing in front of a painting or sculpture. The point of watching a play. It's the reason we stand in line for concert tickets. The reason we worship musicians and music they create that brings us closer to something we might call spiritual. We want to know what our soul looks like. Most of us go through stages in life where we're restless for a new perspective. We long for that spirituality that will reveal something mysterious about the world we walk around in. We want to see something someone created that may provide a different, however slanted, view of the world we think we know. So, I hope I've accomplished at least that, a new view on a familiar scene that allows you to stop and consider, to think a thought you'd never thought before. Very nice. Very nice. So it's a bit introspective, to say the least, but... um, Therapeutic, and I and I think for a lot of people that are going to read it, they're going to relate to this in some way or another. Um, I'm going to read the back cover, which of course is what everybody goes to when they go at the bookstore and they pick up the book to see if they want to buy it or purchase it, see if it's going to pique some interest. Um, Andy McDaniel hates his life. His dreams have evaporated. He's getting divorced. He's stuck in a nothing job. And he's sitting on a rented sofa in an apartment he never wanted. Watching the rain soak his balcony on a lonely Saturday morning, he checks his phone to see that his hero, budding rock star Ben Landry, is getting bashed all over social media. Ben is accused of a variety of terrible things by a guy who turns out to be a member of Ben's own band, Andy watches as Ben tries to defend himself, but the internet savagery is out of control. Amid the sea of tweets calling for Ben's head, Andy posts a show of support to his hero and references an obscure song from deep in Ben's catalog. Ben, touched by the support of a thoughtful fan and unable to stand by quietly as his career implodes, jumps in his car and drives into Andy's life. The bond that is formed will provide simple answers to some very complex questions about life, love, pain, and the relationship that makes it all matter. Very nice. Okay. I would I would pick that up for sure and start reading it. So, although this book is fiction, you're drawing from life as as a musician, as a family man, as a friend, you're drawing you're from your own experiences to put these characters together. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of hard, I would imagine, to do that and yet form some separation 
between your experiences and create making it a work of fiction, right? Because you do, you, you want to create this story, but you don't want it to be true to life as well. So we've got to draw from these experiences. And that's where I would have a hard time with fiction. I think I could write a story about my own, like an autobiography. I could do that. Um, but to create fiction, you've got to have this imagination. You've got to pull that together. So I think that's a whole nother level of um, talent as an author to be able to do that. So kudos for you to do in that. You did really well. Um, and you mentioned in the author's notes that the characters started coming to life and they were sort of started creating themselves. They started manifesting into these right. these characters. And I've heard of writers that write books and they talk about how this happens. Mm. And I find this fascinating. And I kind of wonder sometimes if these characters are people that are living in our head, just kind of waiting for you to birth them into life. Did you kind of get that feeling like once you once you started forming Ben, Ben's always kind of been there, right? You just kind of collectively pulled him from different people you knew. Yeah. Um, at some point, I didn't really know how the book was going to end. I knew what the story arc generally was going to look like. Um, but I didn't really have an idea about where this was all going to go. And that was even up to the beginning um, of, of each of each chapter. You, you introduce your your people, and then ultimately they take over. Right. And and especially, not to give too much away, but these are there's two male characters and two female characters, which may be obvious now, but they end up, you know, like any good movie. Right. Uh, there's a resolution there at the end. And how they re- interact with each other, I had no clue how that was going to go. But by the time you get to that point, you know their personalities and you know yeah. how they would react. And there's certain things that each character would and wouldn't do and wouldn't, uh, wouldn't say. And so it made the decision-making a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, you kind of, when you start reading the book, you kind of get an idea pretty quickly what each of them's moral ground sort of is. Right. You know, and, and so it, you you play it very close to the vest with with what came to my mind. I was like, I, you, you stuck, to, each character stuck to a certain code of values right. throughout the book. And so, but they're each very different. So I found it very interesting that you were just able to create four, even though fiction, four very complete personalities. And and they're they represent. This is highly symbolic, obviously. Um, for Andy is 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 the is as you said dutiful. I think that's a good way to put it. Is because he is um, he's stuck in convention. He's he's a married man who has a steady job, and even though these things are ultimately unfulfilling, he's fulfilling an expectation sure. that was handed to him by a future a, a, a previous generation. Sure. Uh, ben is is not is not encumbered by any responsibilities yeah. whatsoever. <clears throat> right. The guy we all want to be the sometimes, all, right? And but he has his own issues in that he is not encumbered by any of these these uh these traditions that he wishes that he was. So Yeah. Um and the two women are very similar in that way, but uh much like the gender roles that we that we all play out. Uh, right. The women have a different set of challenges that the men don't 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 have to deal with. I think it's probably pretty therapeutic also when you're writing a book like that because you have to stop and put yourself in the position of someone you you aren't. Right. Right. You have to stop and think about, okay, if I was this woman or, or even another man, you know, how would it look like from being them? 
you know, because we walk around with our own thoughts about how things should be, our own judgments, but we don't always stop and put ourselves in someone else's shoes. So it's kind of like an actor when you, when you hear an actor take a role and they're like, I became that, Mm -hmm. I became that character. And that's how they did such a good job at it because they really placed themselves in the shoes of, of that person and forgot about themselves for a little while. So I imagine when you're, and I am. I could see you sitting down and writing this book, and you did it in a pretty short amount of time. So I would imagine it's like when you're writing that, it's almost like you're free writing. Like the yeah. characters are just speaking to you from you, and then you look down and go, "I wrote that." Yeah, most of these are conversations that I've had. I, I'm a good listener, and I've always been one of those friends. Uh, I don't know, blessing or a curse that people call on and when they have something to unload. I'm one of those too. Yeah. It's tiresome sometimes. I mean, it's, it is exhausting, but it's good for material. Uh, and so a lot of the, <laughs> a lot of these, these, uh, the wisdom that came from these, these characters and that as you, I, I generally ended chapters with these great proclamations. There's, if you want to, if you wanted to put the, the book in some sort of like a, a time, you know, uh, a timeline. There's several epiphanies take place for each character along the, along the way. And none of these things were manufactured. I mean, some of it is creativity and, and, you know, just, just writing fiction and and pulling things out. But for the most part, these are summarized conversations that I've had uh, with each of these individuals. That's good to know. Okay. So we're going to go over the characters. I'm not going to give too much away, but we're going to go into them. So there's four main characters and there's other characters throughout, which you peppered in there and did a good job with. I like the biker guy, you know, and all that sort of stuff. I can relate. I've met a few of those, Uh, (laughs) but we have Andy, Ben, Shelley, and Rachel. These are the four main characters. Andy is just your average good husband and father. Um, very dutiful. He's um, given up his dreams of being a musician for the most part. Um, the musical talent that he knew he could have cultivated, he's just kind of let that go to the side. But he's a solid good guy. You know, he believes that, you know, he, he, he believes the commitments that he's made. He doesn't take them lightly. He really wants to keep the family together. All that sort of good thing. Good guy. Ben is a famous up-and-coming sort of rock star um, in Nashville. We learn through Ben that fame almost always comes at price, pretty much always, and that once you hit bottom, there is only one thing that you got to do from there is to make stand up and, and make it up, right? It's up. It's the only way you got to go. Uh, Shelly is Andy's wife, uh, the perfect mother. And she sort of lost herself in that role. That's the only thing that has that really matters. Um, and and I can say from the woman's perspective, this happens all the time. This is not uncommon. We have our children, and they become the center of the world. They're all that matters. This is our job. It's our job as a human to create and to raise these good people, and everything else just kind of like falls to the side. And that's although somewhat honorable that's dysfunctional as well. So I I related to her to a point. Uh, There's Rachel, and that's Ben's girlfriend. And Rachel is an independent woman who realizes that you, no matter how hard you might try or want to, you can't make someone love you. You can't. And you can't make them love you the way you want them to love you. So her epiphany is that she has to be true to herself so to speak. That's how I, I read into it. So these are the four, um, the four main characters and they're each really good people. 
they're just each very different and they're all working their way through through their issues. Now, those of you that are listening that may not know, Bill is a musician as well. Um, he plays here in the Huntsville area, but you also play a lot of other places too, right? Do you go around and play in other places besides the local Huntsville bars? Oh, I wish. Uh, no, I, I'm, I've had some opportunities to record in Muscle Shoals here. Yeah. Uh, somewhere around February, and we all know what happened then. Yeah. So a lot of that <laughs> stuff got you know dashed against the rocks of reality. But no, yeah. I, I'm in a couple of bands here. I do a lot of solo stuff. Um, but my my greatest uh, musical years are behind me, uh, much like Andy. In in so, I'm I'm a reflection of Andy in a lot of ways. Okay, yeah. all right. But but you are really good at what you do with your musical talent well, as well. You. So but and you play well and you sing well. So so you can really relate to Andy as far as the dreams lost right. and all that good stuff. Right. But you're still living your dream because you're still out there doing it. Sure. And a lot of people give up those dreams. So. To still be cultivating a talent and to not give up on it, that's a really cool thing. Right. So, you know, don't don't belittle that at all. And Huntsville's a great town. It is. And it's an up-and-coming town, so, hey, you might Very get much. discovered yet. Hey, you never know. You never right. know. <laughs> all right, so um, you open the book with a scene of Andy playing with his band in a local bar. And, and it reminds me, that the way he was going about it, that he's just kind of lost his passion for everything not just for his music or his band but his life it's just there's no joy in it anymore you're just going through the motions of things and i think we all relate to that yes we all relate to that and i actually stopped and thought about that for a second you know because i've been lucky enough to to make a living out of something i love truly love and um but when you put the importance of um when you let life interfere with your love of something it sucks the passion out of it a little bit you know and then you just start to kind of go through the motions and you reflect back and you're like i really remember when i loved doing that and it wasn't a a bother or it wasn't my livelihood didn't depend on it you know things like that and it made me reflect on you know, I bet a lot of us are, are that way. Sure. You know, so I, I, I related to that. And, you know, instantly I kind of had a connection to Andy there was because I, I get it. You know, I get that trying to stick with that, that thing that brings you that joy. And even that joy maybe isn't all it, it once was. Right. You know, and that when we get to those points, it's time to shake shit up. Right. It's time to make a change. So. I, I, that was the first little part that grabbed me. So those of you who are relating to what we're saying here, you're going to relate to that. Um, in chapter three, you mentioned the list. And that stuck with me because everybody has a list. Mm-hmm. Call it a list, the list, a bucket list. You know, things that we want to accomplish in this short amount of time that we are on this earth, right? Do you have a list? I do. Uh, I do have a list. Um, it's getting shorter. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, this is not a dress rehearsal. Yeah. And um, I think you get to be, I don't know, my age, whatever that is. It starts with a four. Oh, I'm older than you are. And you realize that um, a lot of the things that you have been working on. Yeah. And there's there's several themes that, that overlap in, in, in the book, but a lot of things that, that, uh, that you're working on. 
maybe a little hollow. Yeah. Um, maybe someone else's idea of what success is. And, and so, yeah, my list is, uh, is getting, is getting shorter because, um, I'm enjoying my life more than I ever did because it's all about, you know, if you're, again, if you want to talk about the themes in the book, it's, it's less about the things that, uh, the bullet points on my LinkedIn profile versus the things that I just, the moments that I have with my kids or the, you know, the times when you watch a sunset. I know this sounds very hokey, but I mean. No, not at all. Not to me. But These are, it's, it's moments that you have. It isn't accomplishments or it isn't anything. I, I'm, I'm getting better at refusing to allow myself and my successes be defined by someone else. Okay. I like that. That's Which good. is why I really don't care if anybody reads this book, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah. I like that people do, but I'm not going to bang this drum. I'm not going to go out and try to sell myself. So the, this is, I mean, I did the thing and I like it and it's fun. Well, you know, I mean, I've known you. I mean, we, we're acquaintances. We know each other randomly from around town. And, um, you know, we've always gotten along. But I can tell there's a different aura to you when I sit here with you today than there was a year ago. Sure. Um, and I, I mean, I've picked up on that that pretty quickly and that's a cool thing there was nothing wrong with the guy you were a year ago either but it it does feel like you've lost a little bravado like you've just come a little bit i don't want to say humbler Mm. but a little more true to who you who you are right totally agree okay um but in in this little part i kind of got the feeling that andy was faced with the question is what is brave what's the definition of brave is brave going after what you always wanted in life you know, the things that, that are on that list that you think are going to bring you that joy? Or is being brave sticking to your responsibilities and doing what's expected, finishing what you started? Now, for me, being brave is finding a way to make all that work, you know, if you can. But you have to really be true to, to your heart, you know. Uh, you have to. Um, I don't know. I mean, what's I know how that works out in the book. And I'm not going to give that away, but you know, you just talked about the changes you've went through so that what you've done is you've been brave. You know, you've, you've let go of some things that didn't serve you as we say in the yoga world, you know, we have to reflect and look at, um, where is this taking us, this behavior? And if this behavior isn't serving your greater good, then there's things that we need to release and let go of and, and serve a higher purpose. I have a good example because this is what made me think about this and the reason why I wrote uh, that, that, that piece is um, I I walked out of uh, a a marriage of 16 years that by all indications I could still be in if I chose to be. Sure. And I'm, I'm standing on the balcony of my apartment overlooking downtown Huntsville the day after I moved out and I'm standing there with no furniture, um, you know, a takeout in their fridge and there are a lot of people who would look at that and say, that is really brave. Yeah, that's true. Those are people who have known desperate unhappiness. And it's not easy to leave your family and, and to take on a new life. And there, uh, another half of the audience would say that is incredibly cowardly. To stick, you, you stick with your commitments, you do, yeah. what, you do what you say you're going to do, and so on and so on. So bravery is subjective. Yes, and, it and, is. Uh, Soldiers that live through a battle may call themselves brave, but they're not the ones that are dead. Yeah. So it's a difficult thing to, to parse out. And it's something yeah. I really, really thought a lot about as a theme in the book is what, which of these people turns out to be 
brave. What does bravery look like? Well, it stood out to me. I mean, it was one of those parts in the book and, and that it, I was like, okay, that's a really good question. You know, uh, there's two sides to the coin. Yes. Um, and, and it just depends on how you choose to view it. Right. Right. But I, I really liked that quandary. I, it made me kind of gave, stop and gave me pause. And it, and it goes back to that thing, be careful judging people because you really don't know exactly That's right. what they're going through. You're not in their shoes. There's, there's a lot going on that you just don't know. Right. So I really liked that. Um, and in chapter four, this one, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things that, that we think about a lot. In chapter four, Ben says, the only thing I had achieved by realizing the dreams of 20-something was that the dreams of 50-something me has just offered up a new set of problems that require a new level of accomplishment. So when you stop and think about that, let's say you accomplish those goals of that 20-something. You've done that. You've got all that. And you're sitting back and you want more. There's just not quite enough. And for everything you desire, there's a set of responsibilities that go along with the new set of accomplishments. It's kind of like what they say, you know, the more money you make, you know, the more money in, the more money out. More money, more problems. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. So, you know, you think when you stop and think about all these famous people and they have all this and they have, there's a lot that goes on with that responsibility of that world. Right. And you, you know, when we sit here and admire those people, do you really want that life? I mean, would you, because it's not free, right? you know, even though they've got all this fame and these accolades and these awards and these sold out shows and all those things, there's a price that they're paying for that. So, you know, let's admire who you want to admire, but let's admire them for the right reasons. Like, their artistic, their true artistic talent, not what they have, not not their their things or their money or their wardrobe or their car. You know, admire them for the talent, Right. I think. You know, you see all these, there's a reason why retirees buy garden homes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we're getting an RV. We're like, no I mean, yard. You spend, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're like, give me a thousand square feet that I can control. I don't want a yard anymore. Yeah. And as you're ramping up in your 20s and 30s, you want like the 5,000 square foot house yes. and the lake house and all yes. that stuff. And then when right, as you you know descend that hill, you're right. like, I want a beer. <laughs> At the end of the day. <laughs> a functional couch. Yes. <laughs> Just I want, you would simplify, simplify. And I think that's what, what, what Ben is saying is that he... Your aspirations and your eyes are bigger than the buffet, you know. Right. And 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 what you're really after is, is the simplest of, of pleasures, which really come from your own internal accomplishments, yeah. not what everybody else perceives right. as success. Yeah, I and and it's funny because we're in the middle of giving away everything we own for the most part, other than some clothing and some bedding and our pups and some kitchen stuff. You Feels know? so good, doesn't it? It really does. But the funny thing is our kids are like little vultures. They're like, <laughs> they're like, yeah. well, take it all. <laughs> and we're like, uh, and I'm like, let them, yeah. let them have it because they're at that phase in their life right now. More, 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 sure. you know, I need, I need to gather everything I can gather. And then right. when they get in their late forties or fifties, they're going to be dumping all that stuff off on their kids too. Right. It's just a cycle. It's, it's how it goes. But that was a good um, introspective little part in the book that I thought, you know, this is true. Mm. You know, the more you get, the more you want until you get to a place where you're like, I just don't want it anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. 
Uh, in chapter six, the um, and now this one is a woman kind of scolding you just a little bit, and I want a little bit of an explanation. The experienced passive-aggressive female can communicate in amazing ways. Yeah. Um, and I laughed because I know exactly what you're talking about, because I'm guilty of it. I mean, I'm guilty of it. I know how to be passive-aggressive. I know how to get my point across without actually having to say a word. No, yeah. Uh, my husband's shaking his head. Yeah. <laughs> That's the knowing look of someone who's lived through that many, many times. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, and I'm just teasing you here, but go ahead. I know. I was raised by a, uh, a steel magnolia. Oh, lucky you. And That's so, great. And so there's guilt is, is, a, is the longest and sharpest sword. Bless your heart. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I don't think I need to say any more than no. that. No. <laughs> I just thought it was really funny. <laughs> I actually read it and giggled a little bit because I thought, all right, this is true. Mm-hmm. We do this. Yes. And it is part of our God-given talents, you know, our wily woman ways. Yes. Yeah. Lots of interpretation. Yeah, yeah, lots of it. But I, I, you know, I appreciate the fact that it was a little bit of a sideways compliment, but it is what it is, and it is true. So I just wanted to call you out on that for a second. <laughs> um, even though this book is about two different couples, there's a third couple in this book. It's a friendship formed between Andy and Ben, and it's a little bit of a bromance. Yeah. I liked that, though. I, I liked that the, because, you know, we always talk about the 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 girls and their friendships and everything, but but guys have really tight friendships too, and they learn from each other. And I really kind of liked the fact that you you had a little vulnerability there with these these gentlemen, and you they learned from each other. And it doesn't always have to be one of the people that you expect to turn to in your life. Sometimes it's best that maybe it's not someone you're so close to, right? Right. Yeah, the simplicity of Ben's life. Well, just back up a little bit. This is a conversation and a relationship that um, that I have had with myself, and that I think we all have with each other. We have there's the the 22 year old me who the world was my oyster, and all I needed to do was just to you know have ramen noodles in the in the yeah the pantry, and you know, and the, and I was a musician, and I was headed towards a certain thing, and then I took a a left hand turn. But those two those two people were still alive in my head, and mm-hmm. so with Ben and Andy, it was a conversation between the guy that I could have been and the guy that I became. And but a lot of that is also my best friend who who died of an overdose, and he's built into those conversations. And those are conversations I wish I could have had with him. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I, for for those two, uh, it was a way for me to to put away a lot of that past. Um, kind of unsaid things. I don't yeah. know. It's complicated, but yeah, I love their relationship. I loved having them together and just being alone mm-hmm. in their in their element. Yeah, um, and uh, able to be open and honest with each other. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, they really help each other realize what's what's important. You know. Well, Andy sees Ben as a rock star, and he sees him as as, as someone who he wishes he had become. Right. Ben sees Andy as the staple guy with two kids and a wife who loves him and he wishes he was him yeah and that is something that is has been a lesson for me is that the grass is is always greener and that's such a stupid statement because the grass is greener 
Sure. We have to experience it to understand that. If you if you live your life thinking that you've almost accomplished something, you'll die unhappy and right. early. Uh, but I think it's important for it was important for Andy to see Ben as someone who is something of a flawed character that even though he did achieve something that he wishes he had. Right. He saw uh, the inherent negativity in that achievement. Right. What's that saying that uh, if you think the grass is greener on the other side, water your own grass? Sure. You know, you right. can improve your own life if, right. <laughs> if you choose to, for sure. Now, there is a reference to a particular guitar that was Andy's grandfather. What is that guitar? It's the Martin D28. It's like this. Um, it's the when you see an acoustic guitar, if you Google acoustic guitar, it's a Martin D28. It's like that's the. the it's like the Cadillac of all guitars. It, it is. And every other guitar maker has copied it repeatedly. Um, and it's an icon. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's like if you. It's a, the 57 Chevy or it's the. Yeah. Suddenly I wanted to see one and I started to Google it and I didn't get around to uh, it. Those that are, uh, these guitars have been around for generations. And, and like I describe in the book, it's, it's, uh, it's the kind of thing that you hand down, you know, to your kids, whether or not they want it. And it becomes a, it becomes a, I don't know. A, a, an heirloom. An heirloom. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Do you have one? I don't. Okay. I was hoping you did. No, I have, actually, I have something that's better to be honest with you. Okay. Danny Davis made my acoustic guitar. Danny Davis at Tangle Strings down here at. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I would challenge anybody who is a Martin disciple to see a Danny Davis guitar and find a flaw. Cool. Uh, it's better, actually. I should have told you to bring it. You could play a note <laughs> or two. I didn't think about that anyway. Um, but I really enjoyed the book. And, and guys, I, I really want to, to recommend it because it's, for me, it was a great departure from my typical reading, which is always very serious, but it was very human. It's a great human introspective story. And, and to the characters together, it's something anybody can relate to in the world today. Um, each character is going to bring out something in you, whether it's the male character or the female, it doesn't matter. There's, there's something there that we can all relate to. Um, I did, it did leave me curious though. And, and I, I do have a question about Ben and Andy and their journey with free and clear. Should we expect another addition to this? Because really they could form a band. I've already started the second book and, and I've gotten the first two chapters done and it's a continuation of this. The thing, when I finished it, um, this was more about just me getting it done. Uh, like I say, it's just it was cheaper than therapy. This 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 book represented a really difficult time in my life. A lot of bad things happened at one time, and that's of course ultimately those are the things that create us. It is, you know, it is. So having done it, I put it away and I let it sit in a shelf for close to a year, uh, and then I pulled it back out. And um, during the pandemic, I'm, I mean, you were had no other excuses. <laughs> Right. You know, so I, I, I put it up on Amazon. I, well, I got a, the cover and did all the right things and sent out query letters to publishers in New York and, and got some really, really polite rejection letters and um, <laughs> decided to just do it myself. It, you know, it doesn't cost you any money to publish. And, and so that having done that, I felt a sense of accomplishment. And then, you mm-hmm. know, I, I sent it to some friends and, and put it on Facebook and asked people to read it. And it, it's not like it's been an overnight, you know, success or anything but i've sure. gotten 50 plus you know um uh, reviews on amazon and with those a lot of people have asked what happens next and which i didn't expect to happen um i wanted to be done with it 
it's like the bucket list. I wanted to write a book, and so I did. I know. That was my next question, actually. Was this on your list, so to speak? No, it, it wasn't. I didn't. It, this all happened by accident. I, one of my best friends is Bob Bailey, who's an accomplished author, who's Robert Bailey, and he writes legal thrillers, the Professor series, and he's a wildly popular legal thriller writer. Okay. He lives in Huntsville. If you go to the legal thriller genre on Amazon, he's got five of the top 15 books. I mean, he's incredibly Successful. Yeah, I'm out of practice with the legal thrillers. I haven't read them since the John Grissom Gosh. days. His first book was to. The Professor, okay. um, which is incredibly good. Uh, okay. Local, um, you know, it's it, the story arc, very John Grisham-esque, you know, and it's in its story arc. Nowhere near as complicated or as profane as, as, as my book <laughs> is, but we're just two different writers. Anyway, he really was my coach and, and my advisor throughout this whole process. But anyway, going back to your question, once I finished it and there were people who were saying, man, I, I can't wait to hear what happens next. Then it's like, well, oh God, I gotta. I guess I gotta keep doing this. So, I've written the first chapter, and having written from a female perspective, the weirdest thing, it's um, it's it's so fun to write from a female perspective. So the next book is a continuation of of Ben and Andy's story, but there's a new uh, character enters the picture, and, and she's going to dominate it. These are four individual characters, and, and they write from the first person. So this isn't a third-person narrative. Right. It's just like they're writing from their own voices. And each chapter alternates, you know, Ben, Andy, Shelley, Rachel, and they're writing from their own first-person accounts. And I continue to do that because, for me, that's just a natural way to tell a story. It's easy to understand. It is. Yeah. And, and one little experiment that I did, I would take, you know, all of Ben's section and put it in a document, all of Andy's section and put it in a document and do a word count. Because I'm um, writing about 77,000 words or so, which is about 300 pages. Um, which is a, as much as of a book I want to write, and it's as much of a book I want to read. Yeah, um, it was the perfect length for me. I, it was easy for me to read. It was easy for me to process. Um, and you know, it's not like war. You know, war and peace. Well, God, if you're you're sitting here in the middle of a book and you think I'm getting it, I like it, and then you're holding this thickness in your right hand, right. which tells you you've got a long ass way to go, right. and that's debilitating. It's quite a journey. But as a male writer, having written a book about Ben and Andy. Rachel and Shelley dominate the narrative. Like, even though Ben and Andy's story is what's being told here, Rachel has close to 40,000 words. That's, that's. Well, women are more complex. Well, it, it was so fun to write from <laughs> right? her perspective. Um, okay. It's, it's, it was, it was really fun to write about the reflection that I saw in the mirror than writing about my, ah. my own, what I look like. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so the next book is, is going to be two thirds female. It's just easier. Okay. I don't know why. It just is. Well, you know, I, I think um, when we do self work, it's very reflective. So you know, you're looking in the mirror and you're 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 pulling out these these female characters. So this is very therapeutic. It's got to be very therapeutic. I have reached a level of self awareness that I didn't really want. You know, oh, like, but <laughs> yeah. it's like I I am completely comfortable with how I am seen. And as we talked about before we started, I'm, I've deleted my Facebook account and my Instagram account, and I'm really comfortable by being this um, someone who is very comfortable with who they are in a in this little yeah. in, enclosed space and not as open as I once was. And that's good. And you know, a little mystery about people sometimes is really a good thing. It's okay. not a bad thing. Well, you read this book, and you're not gonna. There's not gonna be a lot of mysteries about where I was two years ago. You know, though, I, I, you did a great job about, you know, people that know you may see some 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 reflections of you in here, without a doubt. But people that don't know you, that are just buying this book or picking this book up, they're not going to know Bill Fowler. 
You know, so they're going to, each of these characters are going to, I don't know if you've looked at it from that perspective, but each of these characters are taking on, um, to, to a casual reader, something totally different maybe than what you you yeah. saw in them from yourself. Right. So that's what, that's what I think I like about it. Because I really did try to put the Bill Fowler I know out of the equation and just read the book as I would any book that I've ordered. And take that story on without you, the thought of you and your life bring coming into that. Because I really wanted this book to have its own life. Right. But knowing you like I do, I do know that you've you've pulled a lot of your own life experiences into this. So, you know, I but I, I want you to know that somebody who doesn't know you that's going to pick up this book, they're going to be drawn into these characters and they're going to want more. They're going to want to know, okay, what happens now? Okay. So I just wanted here we to, go. yeah, so here you go. You got another job to do, <laughs> but, you know, make sure it's always coming from that place of, um, of love, yeah. you know, that you love what you're doing yeah. and because it'll reflect in the work that you do. Right. All right. So, um, our time is perfect. This is exactly where we wanted it to be. Great. Thank you for coming and, and for sharing with us. And thank you for, you know, adding a little bit of something to Huntsville's culture. <laughs> and we can say that, you know, we have another published author from here in town. And, and you know, as Doug and I get on the road, keep in touch, you know, maybe when another one comes out, we can always do a podcast. I will meet you wherever you are, as long as it's sunny and, and not bitterly cold and raining outside like no, it is Minnesota, right now. Huh? No, Minnesota. No, Minnesota. <laughs> Hey, just drive west. Don't go north. We're not. Hey, one last thing. If if you wanna, if you're interested in this in this book, you can get a print copy on Amazon. Of course, everything's on Amazon. So you just search Free and Clear, which is actually a line of skincare products too. Oh, Free and Clear. No, okay. no relationship there. But you know, if you need skin stuff, you can just like you know, gotcha. if you bought this, you might be interested in this. You know, Amazon does that. Okay. It's J W Fowler on Amazon, so you'll find it Free and Clear, Kindle and print versions. Cool. And when it goes to Audible, you're going to read it and do I the voice, so. right? I need a female character to read the female. I don't do the male guy, the male things. But I'm I, sure you can find somebody that will help you see. do that. All yeah. Right. All right. Well, thank you, sir. We appreciate your time. And everybody, give the book a read. It's really good. Again, Free and Clear, a novel by J.W. Fowler. And uh, when we post it, I'll, I'll post some little hashtags and stuff Great. that can help people connect to the book. Great. But that is all, you Thank guys. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. We are out. Mm-hmm.